0: Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And I hope you enjoyed our mystery history episode last Friday. Yes. That was pretty good. I really enjoyed that. The early years
1: of the motorcycle.
0: Yep. That, for us, that was five minutes ago. But for you, that was all <laughs> weekend. But I'm already, you know, I've thought about buying a motorcycle before. But I just yeah. I just can't bring myself to do it. I just can't. So
1: can you guess what type of book, bike I'm looking at right now? A Ducati. No, well, we bought a Ducati.
0: Yeah, but what are you looking at right now? A Harley Sportster. Okay, well, let's move on with the news. No! No, no, I'm just not a fan of the Harley stuff. I just can't do it. Um, So it's on this news episode, we've got Wind Design gave us a response on the P-72 drama. Um, Oh, yeah. They're the ones that designed the P-72 de Tomaso and they contacted me on Instagram. Um, Teslas are a waste of time. There's a new Corvette. F1 is boring. And a couple listener topics. Ooh. And more. Um, Also, we're going to be announcing the winner of the petrol box drawing at the end of this episode awesome as well um, before we get into it though i want to remind everybody to go to patreon.com slash overcrest and sign up support the show right we've got all kinds of stuff that we can give you we but have
1: multiple tiers that you can support tiers, us at,
0: but at core what you get is the good fuzzy feeling of supporting the creators that you love it's only five bucks to start and uh, you get every all kinds of past exclusive episodes are there. Right. My uh, episode with Brian Redman uh, that I talk about his book and interview him is there. There's all kinds of crazy history episodes. And plus, you get every episode when we record it early, right away, right away. So uh, first, we got an official response from Wind Design on the day, Tommaso, E 72 Remind me about basically Glickenhouse said, oh, you copied us. Right. That was basically the gist of it. Okay. Um so I sent them a message saying, "Hey, I'd like to have you guys on the podcast." Okay. And he went and listened to our podcast oh, cool. before he responded to me. So he's, he's, he says, uh, Chris, we do not wish to participate without the permission of De Tomaso. However, we are glad to provide insights on the P72's design. Though we did not intend to justify our work, oh, sorry. Though we do not intend to justify our work, we feel it's necessary to clearly provide knowledge and outline that P72's lines do not share those of the P4 slash 5. The latter illustrates straight lines and boxed proportion approach. The P72's body focuses highly on single curves throughout the body that is entirely fluid in nature, that is periodically correct, and bears much more resemblance to the Le Mans racers of the 60s prototypes. Right. The interior theme is based on those interiors from the mid 50s proceeding to the 60s, particularly American design languages illustrating the dominant polished circular dials which were apparent among amongst many brands and models during that period of history. The intention of the P-72 is to tell the story of De Tomaso and its history. Furthermore, the design speaks of the history of automotive design that appears to be absolutely lost in the age of social media, even with such incredible access to information. I hope this message finds you well. Beautiful work and photography on your page. Um, that's pretty much the gist there. So my response was, hey... I didn't want to talk to you about any of that. I just, <laughs> I just wanted to talk to you about because they also designed the Apollo supercar, which is like oh, yeah. crazy, crazy ultra hypercar thing. And then they also designed this. The Goompert Apollo. I don't think. Set Me, I one? think it might be. I'm not sure. I'm okay. not that versed on the car, but I know what it looks like, and I okay. And it looks wild. It's totally different. Totally yes, wild. Totally,
1: that's totally different than what I'm thinking
0: of. Um, and the P72, of course, is is absolutely beautiful. So that's I wanted right. to talk to them about. No, what does it take to design one of these cars? What you know, constant to it. You know, tell me about the process. Tell me what makes for good design. What do you guys think? What's your thought on this? Tell us why Jake
1: is wrong. (laughs) Yes,
0: tell us why Jake is wrong. Which usually doesn't take too much. Oh Um, come on! (laughs) So then I got in touch with the owner of the company, the designer, and we're going to have them on. Oh, awesome. So they're going to come on and talk about, you know, designing the De Tomaso P-72 and Apollo and, you know, what goes into design. So I can't wait for that. So we're kind of working that out. That'll be in a future episode. Awesome. So Tesla's next-gen supercharger can do 75-mile charge in five minutes.
1: That's pretty good.
0: So how this translates into real-world usage is impressive. As a prime example, Tesla writes that it's... Next-gen supercharger can charge the long-range Model 3 up to 75 miles in 5 minutes and 180 miles in 15. Okay. All told, Tesla is confident that the new supercharger technology will reduce the time average Tesla owner spends at charging stations by 50%. The next-gen supercharger went live on the West Coast early, and uh, early on will be geared for blah, 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 Model 3, blah, blah, V3, supercharge, whatever. Okay, so in my opinion, yeah, still way not good enough. Okay, so I did a little bit of math. Okay, okay. So in my diesel wagon, I get about 500 miles per tank. Okay, so that's 6.6 charges of 75 miles. Oh, sure. So if you think about what it would take to charge, um, that's over half an hour. So who's going to go to the gas station for five minutes a day? You're going to have every day or two.
1: You have to adjust kind of your expectation.
0: So I don't want to adjust. I know. I don't want to adjust my expectation, and neither does anybody else. But the vast
1: majority of drivers use their car from A to B, which is within the 75 miles once a day, right, to go to work, commute back and forth. So they're going to plug it in at home.
0: Yeah, but the plugging in at home doesn't charge it very well. That's not the supercharger. No, the supercharger no, then is what. But you
1: can leave it for hours at a time, if not all.
0: But night. it's still not going to be enough. So you're still going to have to go to the gas or the the gas station, <laughs> and park it over and be ostracized over wherever the supercharger is in the corner, like a good little boy that you are, and charge your stupid little Tesla for five minutes to drive seventy five miles. It's yeah. still it's not good enough. You know, it's, we're talking a half an hour to get the same amount of charge you get out of a car. It's it's not even close. It's not yeah. close for like, and obviously I understand that this is progressive, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, at this rate, they're making progress. They're making progress, but it's got to be. And the thing is, is they make it. I think Lotus has a new car that charges hundreds I forget of miles. The stats, yeah, it's hundreds of miles in a few minutes. That I can get down with, but. Right. The amount of voltage that it needs to do it yeah, is you can't out of put this, that in
1: your house probably.
0: Out of this world. Can
1: I take a quick minute to have a little bit of a Tesla rant? So I was okay. I was brunching. The other weekend, Chris. Of course, you were. And I was sitting there. What do you, I bet you're a salad.
0: Do you have salad at your brunch? Oh, come on. I don't know. No, it's eggs. You're the one that put your wife's pants on. It seems like (laughs) you would eat salad, too. (laughs) Yeah, I'm that confident in
1: myself. No, it's always eggs and hash browns and usually some French toast there with the bacon, the coffee. Okay, so it's breakfast. Oh, yeah, good times. But anyway, so we're sitting on the patio there and I see this group of very nerdy engineers that clearly work. How did you know they were engineers? Because they all
0: had. You know how you know when someone's an engineer? They tell you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, they just were very um, stereotypically dorky looking and all had their corporate badges on. Do they have pocket protectors? Uh, They all had pens in their pocket. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. So anyways, I was already like giving them a stigma while I was sitting next to them. And then they all get up. They go out front. And I see them all go, oh, and the guy has his phone out. And I'm like, what? What's going on? And I see this van honking. At this Tesla, because it's going super slow, and I realized <laughs> that there's no one in the Tesla. The guy was using summon mode,
0: oh, where God. it's coming
1: out of the parking lot and it goes really slow out to the front where it can pick you up. The problem is, and I didn't ever think of this until I saw it in practice. You're blocking so much traffic; it didn't stay in its lane because you know, with it all the curbs and everything else, it just kind
0: of goes where it thinks it can. Yeah,
1: it's so stupid. And
0: everyone was all so impressed. Oh yeah, well that's basically engineering masturbation right there. Look at, <laughs> look at what my car does! Look at what my car does! Oh, yeah. Look at look at look at everybody! Look look right. look! It came, out, drove over here all that's, by itself. Ah! Oh yeah, they were. And everybody, it. it's and the guy in the van's like, "Hey, I gotta take my kids to swim lessons. Exactly. Get out of the effing way!" Yes. Yeah. So whatever. It's,
1: Anyways, that's Tesla. Do you watch Formula
0: One? I don't. Why? I don't know where to watch it. <laughs> really? Is that that's the reason you don't know where to watch know. it? I don't know. I
1: just I would rather like I don't watch a lot of TV. I don't have any network television or cable or anything. It's okay. just streaming. And if I'm going to sit down and watch something, it'll be a series.
0: Okay. So you're not interested movies. in watching it. Nah. It does it. it just doesn't seem interesting enough to you to watch well, I'll
1: I would if it's on I'll watch it for a while. So
0: for me, Formula 1 is boring. Yeah. Okay, so you always it's you always know who's going to win. It's going to be Mercedes followed up by a Ferrari, and then everybody else trickles in after that. And okay. it's terribly boring. And we've talked about this a little bit before. And while I was at Road America, we were, I was discussing with some other people what would make Formula One more interesting.
2: Okay. And then I
0: was on uh, Reddit looking around, and apparently Jeremy Clarkson went on a rant that I want to play for you guys. And oh. then I want to share my solution for, for uh, Formula One with you. And it basically is how you would make Clarkson, Clarkson's thing a
2: reality. So here you go. Well number one, get rid of the stewards. Dangerous driving is what the fans want so if somebody does dangerous driving I'd give them an extra five five championship points. (laughs) Um, Number two, the cars have to be stronger, they have to be able to withstand you know wheel-to-wheel action without bits of front wing coming off. And number three, the governing body needs to look at what Cricket did. I'm no cricket fan, but they need to look at what cricket did. They had a five-day boring sport, and they turned it into what we saw. I didn't see, but what I'm told. I've never watched a cricket game in my life. Cup super overs and crowds chanting "Who let the dogs out?" and (laughs) deflections and the most exciting. I was watching the tennis, just as exciting. You know the uh, Federer Djokovic final, and meanwhile there's Lewis Hamilton. I'll just wait for a pit stop to come in, and I'll do and and I'll overtake Bottas that way. Fuck off. All of you, fuck off. I want to see Villeneuve and Arnoux wheel to wheel last lap of the French Grand Prix and if Ferrari don't like that, they can fuck off as well. In fact, Mercedes can fuck off. They can all fuck off. And Ferrari saying, oh, well, we have marketing strategies and Mercedes saying, oh, but we were allowed. Fuck off, the lot of you. Let's turn it into a proper sport again and not some health and safety exercise. I'd far rather watch a Formula E race these days than Formula One, far rather. Sorry, I was ranting a bit there, but they can all fuck off, the lot of them. (laughs) When you get to the point when I am watching a tennis final and not Silverstone, and my son, who grew up with cars, obviously, is watching the cricket rather than Formula One, something is wrong with Formula One. At the moment, Formula One says, right, Azerbaijan, Sochi, wherever it may be, We get money from those governments to stage a Formula One track that great. Nobody turns up to watch the the race. The grandstands are empty. The track is drivel, you can't overtake on it. Nobody watches it on TV because it's boring, because Mercedes are gonna win and there won't be any overtaking. And if there is, the stewards will say, oh, you shouldn't have done that. You've got to start from the back next time out. That's not sport. That's not interesting. That's not exciting. That's ridiculous. The world is full of people who will take risks always has been put them in the cars let them go wheel to wheel don't have any stewards i don't know 16 races a day if that's what it takes you start from the back if you win one i don't i don't care radicalize it totally change it so that's
0: basically in a nutshell what's wrong with f1 it is boring right nothing happens and you just it's all about pit strategy and, it, and right. it's hideously boring and one of the things that i've learned is listening to the stories of all i've interviewed a lot of old dudes now okay and one thing that is always there is risk taking everything mm-hmm. they did is a risk one of the questions i asked um brian redmond was what was it like to wake up in the morning of a race and know you might not make it home Right, And he talks about waking up in a cold sweat and he's just being scared. I guarantee you that Lewis Hamilton doesn't wake up in the morning and wonder, am I going to die today? He's not thinking that. None yeah. of those guys are thinking that. It's super safe. It's super boring. And uh, so my thought would be, is this is completely impractical and will never happen. Kay. But what I would love to see happen is have all the rules changed to where all the cars are exactly like they were in 1970. <laughs> Three. So you have, you know, a bunch of, uh, you know, Ferraris or McLarens driving around that are, you know, their manual transmission. The aero right. sucks. The tires are too big. Yep. And, and, it's, and it's just a wildly risky and dangerous proposition because all these racers now, they're all a bunch of princesses. I'm, I'm, they're just terrible. Now, here's the thing. What's that? Is that the middle of the pack is completely different. Okay. Um, so th- there's a TV show, I don't know if you watched it, called Drive to Survive. No. That was on Netflix, and it, it basically was, it went over the, the course of the, you know, there's all kinds of things. They document NFL seasons, teams, whatever. Okay. They document baseball teams. This is documenting F1. Sure. And what it's like to be there in the pits and whatever. Ferrari and Mercedes said, we don't want to be in it. Mm-hmm. So then the, the series was all about the middle of the pack, guys. And even there, some guy was a great, I can't remember his name. But he was a fantastic driver, and some big rich asshole came in. His father said, "Hey, I can donate this much money to the team, and bought his son the seat." And they kicked that other guy out because yeah. of the money. That's all. And is. I, I can't, I can't stand it. There was guys. Um, it was when uh, when Brian Redman started racing out. He was making thirty quid a race. Thirty. <laughs> Because he wanted to do it, and he just wanted to be there, and he wanted to be a part of it. And I'm not saying these guys don't like racing, but come on, man. (laughs) Well, the
1: problem the barrier entry is so high now that as a team owner, you have to be focused on the finances. Otherwise, you can't even be there at the grid.
0: The private tier stuff is over. Yes, it it's is. It's over. 100%. And, and that died in the late 80s, and that's something I get into. I hate talking about other episodes all the time, but when we interview Bob Garrettson yeah. later this week, he talks about, you know, that's one of the reasons why the early 80s was it. After that, it was impossible for a privateer company. And a lot of that is the technology, right? The technology right. has gotten so, so wild. Expensive. Um, so anyway, the show is coming out again, and it's going to actually feature Mercedes and Ferrari this time, because I guess yeah. all the fans were like, you're a bunch of pussies. You need to be right. in the show and it was but i honestly i don't want to see him in the no. show i liked it focusing on the middle of the pack the guys at the you know scratching at the heels and the ankles of Ferrari and Mercedes and what they were going through and the hell that it was and not having any money and shit breaking all the time and nothing going right for those guys that right. was drama Putting the cruise control on in your McLaren car, as <laughs> was Lewis Hamilton, and fiddle-fucking your way around the track, and just maybe someone will get ahead of you if your pit stop doesn't go right. That's right. boring. Having to go through hell to play seventh was way more interesting, and I love that about that show, and I hope it's not ruined by having to watch Lewis Hamilton and uh, and what's his face, the pretty boy from Germany. Uh, Sebastian Vettel. Oh, right. Having to watch those guys all the time.
1: So you had your theory of how you could make Formula 1 good again. Yeah. yeah. And I like that, but that'll never happen. No, but... What th- you could do, here's my theory, is you get rid of every single driver aid, right? So ABS, any sort of traction control, any sort of yaw control that's there.
0: Well, you're not supposed to have traction control. Kay. They kind of do it with the curse system. I think Ferrari oh, got kind of yep, busted can, okay. doing it a little bit, but you're not supposed to have trash control. But
1: okay, any sort of that as well as uh, downforce. Get rid of downforce completely right. and put no limit on power. They can be well, you have no have engine some sort of da- I like
0: some sort of downforce. Without I think without
1: downforce you get all the wheel spin, you get it's a lot probably more dynamic racing.
0: I think there should be some sort of way to measure the amount of downforce. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. And yeah. measure the amount of downforce you get. and one thing Jeremy said that was really, really interesting is how fragile the cars are. True. Right. Because it's all about weight. Yep. Right. So they're built so they,
1: just across the finish you,
0: line. You touch you someone touches Another car with the front splitter and it's freaking carbon fiber explosion. <laughs> right. You know, everywhere there's just parts flying all over the place, and they puncture everybody's tires. And the, the way you lose a race is you get a flat tire because you ran over some asshole's right. carbon fiber chunk from their four kilogram front splitter. It's probably not even that; it's probably one kilogram or whatever. And it's just—I don't know—it's so. Princessy, Everything's so light and delicate, and we're on the finest edge exactly. of engineering. That's what it is. I don't want it. I want someone to take a sledgehammer and hit me in the face while I'm watching this. That's I don't why want somebody to bring me tea while I'm watching what's
1: it. What's on the other end of the spectrum?
0: Monster trucks.
1: Well, yes. I was going to say <laughs> NASCAR, but they kind of are in the no, same
0: vein. No, NASCAR is not. I mean, that's a totally different skill set, right. but all the cars are the same. It's just right. It but there's sucks. no technology there. So the problem is, is that sports car racing is really good, right? Okay. You can watch a lot yeah. of sports car racing, but there's nowhere to watch it. Yeah. You can't follow it. There's no there's nothing there. So it's it's kind of a bummer. And I just I thought maybe with the new the guy that took over for F1 when what's his face disappeared, Bernie, Bernie <laughs> whatever his face is, um, I thought it would get better, but it doesn't really I know that the end of the season was kind of exciting for people, but it's just I'm, yeah. I'm bored let's make it dangerous you know let's if these like jeremy said if these guys won't do it Others screw will. them someone else will right if you want to get what's the most popular sport in the world right now
1: oh i don't know
0: ufc is the is the fastest growing sport Fastest in the world. growing Sure. fastest growing sport in the world ufc why is raw? it's raw it's raw people are beating the living crap out of each other and yep. it and it's You can't fake it and there's no, there's no, oh, I need, it's, it's none of that. (laughs) It's none of it. People are getting the crap kicked out of them. And it's a, it's a direct result of society trying to coddle and baby everything. So I think that's why people are so into it. And that's an extreme example. I don't want to see what. what I gig. just came up with the greatest idea ever. UFC F1.
1: Yes. And that do it, you know how you do it? You,
0: know, remember you go it? down to your local place and watch a demolition derby. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you do it. true.
1: <laughs> no, I was thinking, you know how they all did the running Lamar start back in the day? Yeah. Except you all can fight each other on the way to your car.
0: <laughs> well, so there's a new show coming out on netflix that's supposed to be like an obstacle course it's, i think it's called hyperdrive or something okay where it's like uh it's it's like a gimkana, but a competition to see who can make it through it that's gonna be pretty cool that comes out in august anyway so um did you know that there's a new corvette no <laughs> wait is this somehow different than the previous corvettes the, the new corvette is out obviously the mid-engine corvette 60 yes. grand it's Everyone knows it's fast. Yeah, it's fast. 450 horsepower, okay. It's got a new engine, the LT2, which is still a pushrod motor, which is cool. Uh, Mid-engine, blah, blah, blah. The interior is funny. Right? It's, it's, it's yeah. It's, it, it, if I was a passenger, the first thing I would do when I get in there is, you know, when you're a kid, you just go push all the elevator buttons. <laughs> okay. And you just take your hand and you go, and you drag it down and push all oh, the buttons.
1: Oh, down the center that's stack. The, if oh, I yeah, ever ride
0: yeah. one of those, I'm just going, all of them. <laughs> your traction control is off, your exhaust is loud, your radio's on, the GPS is off, climate control maybe. Right. Your sports suspension is set to something. Right. It's whatever. I'm just going to push every single button that's there. Um, so th- the main competitor, I think, for people, when you think about what, because there's no domestic competitor to this car, yeah, probably there's not. not. There's nothing. No. A Mustang isn't really there. No, you know, I would. Mustang GT 350 <sighs> has got 650, 697, whatever the horsepower. It's 600 and something horsepower. It's totally a different car now. It's, it yeah. doesn't. And even when the when we had a C7, the Corvette didn't really compete with the Mustang. No, you're right. It's just there's so there now. There's no domestic competition for it at all. Right. Because if a Ford GT or whatever it is is. Uh, really it's a million dollars right okay um so we have the Porsche 911 is Uh, is the first parallel that I draw
1: what about what does the Acura NSX go for
0: I don't know
1: I would say that's probably right there as well I'm not sure people are looking at I bet it's over a 100
0: so it's they're 160,000 so so no that's okay. so out not of the wheelhouse close. that it's it's not even close. Wow. So basically, my thought is that the closest thing is a 911. That's okay. what people are going to compare it to. That's what that's what they always do, right? Oh, well, yeah. my Corvette kicks the sh- that kicks the crap out of a 911. Yeah, and it's half the price. Right. And it's still going to be that way. So a 911 oh, yeah. Carrera, just a regular 911 right. Carrera coupe, is ninety grand, ninety three thousand. If you buy the one that maybe doesn't have the chronometer in it or something like that. Yeah. You know, that's the cheapest so one. So
1: it's a new Corvette and a
0: half. It's a, yeah. So it's a <laughs> it's got 330 horsepower, Which rear is... engine, seven-speed manual. Yep. So why buy that car? <laughs> why buy it?
1: Right. Well, because cars aren't just specs on paper.
0: Correct. That is exactly it. There's a lot. Because that's the thing is everybody's like, well, what is this going to be? What does it compete with? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, it could compete with, a, I guess, a Boxster. Sure. And who's going to buy a Boxster over this? I wouldn't. I, w- I don't certainly know. wouldn't. I, I don't know. In that price range, I wouldn't buy a Boxster. Um, but here's the cool thing it has a manual transmission. And we're going to get into that in a second. But right. I as said, opposed um, to the Corvette, uh, people will always are going to buy cars that are still twice as expensive. You can go to Walmart right now and buy a Timex watch that's quartz that tells perfect. Time. Right. Or you can go over to the jeweler at the mall and buy a fifteen thousand dollar Rolex that doesn't tell perfect time. It's really good. Yep. But it's a Rolex. And their sign is above uh Lamont. And it's I mean, it's, right. it's it's all about pedigree and it's about how you feel about something. It's the emotion involved. We're emotional beings. If yeah, you took our consciousness away, behavior it's it's what it's all about. So I don't think this is gonna hurt anybody, really. I don't think people are gonna be abandoning Porsche to buy a Corvette. It's just, I don't.
1: Very few.
0: Very few. Because I just don't. I would agree. I would still rather have the Porsche just because of what I'm associated with, you know, and, and what matters to me and what's important to me. So I asked Fetter, He's not here, but I wanted to get uh, get his opinion. Joel Fetter from Motor Authority. Yeah. I said, who's going to buy this car? Mm-hmm. Who is going to buy this mid aging Corvette? He says, I think as a whole, actually, let me do my best, Fetter. I think as a whole, it'll be both. It'll definitely be buyers on that With. fifty 50- That was pretty good. It's pretty good? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think as a whole, it'll be both. It'll definitely bring buyers on that would have never considered a Corvette before. Sure. At the same time, I think it'll still please a lot of Corvette owners. There will absolutely be some owners it simply doesn't jive with, but I think personally, it'll be a smaller contingent than expected in the end when it's all said and done. Okay. So, um, speaking of manual, as I mentioned before, uh, when Motor Authority asked the Corvette lead engineer... Hajj Yukter, which I have no idea if I'm saying that correct or not, at the reveal of the 2020 Corvette, if there was any chance the manual come back, he replied simply, no. We couldn't find anybody, honestly, who would be willing to do it. Because just like the automatic that's in the Corvette, Mm -hmm. paraphrasing there, the DCT would have to be a bespoke manual. Basically saying they can't take it from another truck they can't take like a truck transmission and right. throw it in there because it's a mid-engine car it would have to be one um, The car, it's a low volume very expensive uh, proposition the reason is that it's low volume industry the industry is dying building manual transmissions he's talking about um, wow. so the c7 manual take rate was 15 percent and declined every year even for high performance variants like the z06 really take rate for a corvette was you 15. would think
1: Corvette, like the old school pushrod V8, that people...
0: No. So Porsche, when they came out with one of the GT3s, I think maybe it was the... It was the 991.1. gen. Yeah. yeah, so they didn't make it in a manual. Right,
1: they were like, we're done because the manual's so people much
0: slower. People freaked out. I remember this. And now the take rate is two out of every three... GT3s are purchased in a manual <laughs> as, as kind of a, yeah, we actually do want this. Wow. Um, so here's a question. Are Porsche owners cooler than Corvette owners?
1: In our opinion, undoubtedly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so side note, which
0: is, is kind of cool, the new BMW M3 M4 is going to be Manual. You can get it with a manual. Okay. And I know that it's been kind of, they've been kind of teasing that it might or might not. We didn't Kay. really know. Just because everything, I mean, Audis are no no longer, you can't get one. Right. You with. can't get one. So, but BMW's sticking with it. Right. Um, I remember them saying that. But they're also going to have an all-wheel drive option in the M3, On M4. On M3, M4. That's... All-wheel drive. And that one's going to be only available with automatic. Okay. And it's going to have the S58 motor, 473 horsepower. Okay. Um, but my point is, it seems like people are revolting against certain things. Yeah. You know, the the whole save the manual thing. Oh, yeah. Maybe is working, except for Corvette is not <laughs> listening.
1: Well, they've never heard of their Corvette buyers haven't heard of Instagram and don't know that that's a hashtag or a movement.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. So um next, uh, the road legal McLaren F1 LM. Uh, uh, sorry, a A-Ro- road legal. legal McLaren F1 LM is coming up at auction. So, less than one month out from their spectacular auction during Monterey Car Week, RM Sotheby's continues to announce rare and exciting vehicles that will go under the hammer at Pebble Beach. We could still go, you know, if you want to go to and Car bid Week.
1: on this. <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> I absolutely. will get your paddle for you. Yeah, that sounds great. Here. You
0: raise my arm up for me. Yeah. The most recently announced jewel up for grabs is a 1994 McLaren F1 LM spec, which is expected to fetch. What do you think? I deleted it so you I could see guess. That.
1: Well, so regular ones go for I don't know how many millions.
0: Right. So there's two of these.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, well, the problem with that, it's unprecedented.
0: Okay. I tell you what. I'll go through the rest of this, and then you can tell me what you think it's worth. I'm going to
1: say. "Mm."
0: I'll just let me finish. Let me finish the story, and then you can guess, all right? Because I'm going to tell you about the car. It'll help you out a little bit. So, in addition to the six track-only F1 LMs of the same name, right. a pair of road-going F1 LM specification cars were built to honor the F1 GTRs.
1: So, they didn't have to do it for homologation or anything. No.
0: So, the owners basically took the car back to McLaren and said, hey, make this LM spec. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So the the to honor the F1 GTRs that gave McLaren its first 24 hour of Le Mans win in mm-hmm. 1995, to achieve the same specification as the half dozen track ready F1s, McLaren took no, a normal street legal example and dropped in the GTRs unconstrained 6.1 liter V12, which was good for 680 horsepower, compared to the regular F1s paltry 618. <laughs> Okay. In addition, the F1 LM spec gets an extra high downforce kit in the, the form of a large wing. rear wing yep. and the vents on the front fenders, plus center lock wheels from the F1 GTR. Ooh. Aside from being drivable on more than just racing tarmac, the F1 LM spec's main advantage, and I think this is cool, is that it retains the F1's full interior rather than the Spartan track interior that an F1 LM would have. Right. Uh, this F1 LM spec, chassis number 18, Is the first of two F1s converted to spec in the world. The second of which was sold last year as part of RM Sotheby's new private sales program. I guess that means it just went sideways, right? I don't know. Right, not through auction. Um, This this 1994 F1 was finished in midnight blue pearl with a black interior. Now it's like this gray great it looks it looks oh it's so good it's so good you can check the show notes if you want to see it its second owner decided the ultimate road going mclaren just wasn't ultimate enough and had it sent back to the factory for lm conversion 99 where also was Mm. repainted platinum silver metallic Mm -hmm. and the interior reupholstered in cream leather with beige alcantara accents other modifications including adding an actual radio to the car's (laughs) cd player so these things came with a cd player but no radio
1: that's cool that's kind of
0: cool you will listen to what you want, and that is it. Yeah. Changing out the dampers and r- springs to race-ready ones and replacing the steering wheel. So it's basically got the upgraded motor, a bunch of aero, a redone interior, and a radio, and center-lock wheels. Yeah. What do you think this thing's gonna is it's estimated at? It's not about
1: at? the feature list, though. It's about the fact that this is one of two LM converted. Right, so and it I, looks,
0: oh my God, it looks just so good. Just that wing on these things. It looks absolutely they look better with
1: the wing. No one doubt. Of, one of, I think, the rare instances of that. Yes. I, I Again, I don't know what a regular McLaren F1 is going for. A couple 20, million?
0: 21 million to 23 million estimated.
1: Jeez. Yeah. On the high side, I was like, oh, never will it go for 15 million.
0: It's absolutely bonkers. It's Wow. What a wonderful car. I hope the guy that buys it drives it. That's all I can say yeah i wish i had money so i could buy every expensive car the only thing is, is i would have to hire all my buddies if i was fabulously wealthy right. i'd hire all my friends a you money if i had f u money i would h- have all my friends we'd have a huge garage i'd have all kinds of kick-ass cars and you guys would be able to come and daily drive them <laughs> just pick one put some miles on this thing go beat the shit out of it go yeah. crash it into a tree i don't care it's worth whatever insurance will buy us a new one and just absolutely pound on all these cars Your insurance
1: rates would be very high, sir.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's probably true, and this will be someday when I become fabulously wealthy. The insurance company will get this episode and jack my rates up. There you go. All right. So, did you know that your tire could now generate electricity?
1: I did not know this.
0: Working with research from Kansai University in Osaka, Japan, Sumitomo, Mm -hmm. who makes terrible tires, um, at least from a performance. I
1: had Sumitomo. I I would always get those when
0: I would stretch tires. Sumitomo always. Oh, yeah, they could stretch really well. Yeah, they had some ditch divers that you'd put on your car. Um, They've developed a concept tire that recaptures and stores static electricity generated from the rotation of a tire.
1: From the static electricity.
0: The device consists of two elements with a charging film with opposite polarity positioned on the inside surface of the tire. Okay. As the tire deforms, these come into contact, and the static electricity generated is recaptured and transferred to a conductive layer. The recaptured energy could then be used to power electrical devices within the car, just like brake energy regeneration is used today.
1: That seems not worth the effort. Sumitomo suggested electricity
0: could be used to power sensors that normally rely on batteries that need replacement, such as a tire pressure monitor. Oh. Yeah, so tire pressure monitors... Yeah, s- but
1: how expensive is this technology Yeah, then? I don't you know. You know what I mean?
0: Now your tire's going to cost... Five times as much. All I could think about is 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 this technology being used in my shoes so I could scoot around <laughs> like at my house with the carpets and just like <laughs> zap <laughs> people or use it to charge right, my right. I could just scoot everywhere I go and it would charge <laughs> my phone. So do you think you could pull up next to a pedestrian in this car and go and have like a shock option where you go kind and you of just like it. no well,
1: yeah. kind of, here's the problem. So what you're gonna spend like ten times more on these tires, so you don't have to replace a battery in your tire pressure monitoring system which they replaced for free since i bought the tires and that system at Discount Tire
0: i have no idea it's, i think they're just trying to research more ways to do things i don't it's whatever it's stupid so how many times can you should you fail a driver's permit this is a short one. I just wanted to. So the driving, this is in the UK, of okay. course. Um, the Driving and Vehicle Standards Agency released the information after a freedom of information request for the 10 most prolific candidates every year between 2009 and 2018. In 2016, <laughs> one driver passed on their 21st try oh, no. that year, while a learner in 2018 failed 19 times before passing. Oh, no. In 2009, 15, and 17, a learner failed all 19 tests that they took. Rules mean a learner has to wait ten working days between failing (laughs) and taking their next (laughs) test. How
1: about you get four chances in a year?
0: I think you get forever. Yeah. I mean, come on. This person's driving on the road. Yeah. What should they be required to drive? I think they should like uh, appeal like one of those.
1: Right. (laughs) Something where you're not going to damage other people.
0: (laughs) If you if the only thing you should be able to kill is a cat. If you what it has to be small (laughs) enough. Your letter should be like maybe a, a hopped up Fisher Price. Yeah. Oh,
1: the, the, yeah. Yeah. Power Cozy wheels. Cozy coupe.
0: All right. So we got into a little bit of listener input. Um, this one came from Lewis Rebello. He says, if you have to choose one faster and the years car from any movie to live with for the rest of your life as your only car, which would it be? Consider where you live. Oh, right. Cause
1: snow. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, exactly.
1: Oh man! So do you have?
0: I do have a pick. Um, for me. So did you have to go through and look at a list I did, of but every single? I did go through the movies and look at the list, but my car wasn't on any of the lists. Really? Really.
1: Okay, I think I have. Hmm, I think I have one of the cars. Okay, you out. do yours first because I got a bunch. of I'm crap I'm thinking here. the Ford RS two. 200 or whatever was no it was what is it the ford the rally car right it is
0: the 1970 ford escort rs 1600 you're thinking of exactly the same car i am seriously paul walker drove in fast and furious six yes it's not on the list i'm like how was this car not there
1: that's the one where the tank goes around the bridge and he has to jump off yeah so
0: you remember the scene right yeah
1: for sure i'm sorry did somebody just say a tank
0: So um, the also the uh, so basically this they're being chased by a tank and right. Paul Walker is and for is, some reason the tank is really fast it's very fast and uh, so a tank is barreling down the interstate and runs over some Mint Mark II that's just driving it just like crushes it and it's shooting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You got to keep in mind, these tanks are pretty fast. But they're not as fast. They're not going uh, 100 no, miles an hour. No. They're, they do like 35, 40. Like an uh, Abrams. You
1: can go, I think they can go faster than that.
0: Okay, and Abrams. guy, that's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Roman, the uh, one of the guys that gets run over, oh, yeah, Roman. gets run over, and his car is being pushed by the tank or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're trying to figure out how they're going to get out of this situation. So yeah. who's got a plan B? Plan B? Plan B? We need a plan C, D, E. We need more Alphabets. Hey, we do what we do best.
1: We improvise, all right? You know, this makes you realize how corny those movies are. Oh, they're great. Yeah. So so entertaining.
0: So he's basically uh, he drives the Escort RS over. He jumps it over the 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 median, and uh, they did two of them. I guess I guess they jumped two cars. Okay, and basically destroyed them both, which oh, is sad. Oh, he like
1: jumps and grabs onto someone else halfway through or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Something.
0: yeah. He gets Roman out of the car. I gotcha. But now. the car, one car got totaled like doing the jump. Okay. and the other car is mortally wounded doing the jump as well. So rest were of, they real? They were real Escort cars. RS? Apparently they were real cars, and they're toast now.
1: That sucks. But yeah,
0: I think that's probably what I'd pick. So what is the appropriate cross road trip music?
1: (laughs) Silence. (laughs) This is another question. Yeah. This is from
0: Andrew Smith. Silence, playlist, or podcasts.
1: Well, I think you depending on how long the road trip is, you kind of cycle
0: through all three. For me, it is up. I so what I've been doing lately is I listen to audiobooks. Yeah. I really enjoy audiobooks. They just crush it, man. They just crush time. Just listening to audiobooks. Usually I listen to fiction. Mm-hmm. Right now I'm listening to, uh, oh, this is going to make me look like such a nerd, um, but it's called Old Man's War. Okay. And it's basically about a, uh, a man who is like 79 or 80 years old. And there's this, uh, basically this beanstalk that goes up into the sky. It's like a mechanical thing. It goes way up into the sky and, they, and the earthlings don't know where it goes, but they know that if you want to, you can go up it when you're old. And that's kind of the premise of the story is you go up there and you can find out because the promise is, is that you'll be young again. And you go up there and yours the
1: ho- is so much more nerdy than the last audiobook I listened to.
0: Yeah. Well, I got I have to be entertained. I can't I can't <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to listen to it. And I do listen to some podcasts, mostly political. Right. I don't really like many other people's. I like uh, Driving Walls. Some podcast is pretty good. Um, I'll listen to Adam Kroll's podcast if I think there's something interesting or there's an interesting guest on there. Otherwise, I just listen to political stuff or political philosophy and just makes my... you more grumpy. No, it does not. <laughs> I am not a grumpy man. I'm not. I'm not grumpy. I'm a realist. I'm a realist. What okay. did you listen to last? Oh, I
1: don't even know who the author was. My wife it must put have it been on really something. good. Well, I didn't. know. she picked it and put it on, but it was this awesome like sci-fi thriller. Audiobook about like half the people die from some plague and they're trying to figure out patient zero and everything else. Yeah, so and it's, it's
0: That's nerdy too, just so you know. That's oh, I know, weird. but it's not some weird mechanical
1: beanstalk. That's just what they
0: call it in there. It's uh-huh. just an ele- it's an elevator to a space station in the sky. Uh huh. It's, it's pretty good. Old Man's War. If you like, uh, Wasn't it's, it's that a, really good... a
1: movie? No,
0: Elip- not yet. It should elips- be, but it's not. You know what is another? El- elips- if anybody likes audiobooks and they're listening and they haven't turned the podcast off yet because we just turned into a sci fi podcast, <laughs> uh, Hugh Howie has a series called the wool series and it's very very good it's about a it's about the last people alive and they're in a a silo that's buried in the ground and how it's kind of the the politics and the and the violence and the science fiction that goes into an entire society living in a silo that's buried underground like a hundred stories and you can go all the way to the top and you can see a window out and it's just sand and so it's every once in a while if, if you do something wrong they throw you out. And you have to go wander around, and it's it's really, really it's my one of my favorite book series, other the Wool series by Hugh Howey. Okay, so let's uh, <laughs> on uh, that note, <laughs> I mean, people have shared interests. I mean, oh, there's I, I know, I so we're gonna do the petrol box winner. Um, oh yes, so I'm gonna read the review. Um, great content and quality. Chris and Jake do a great job talking about relevant content, and it never gets boring. I uh, especially like short men, and Jake is. Wait, what? <laughs> Just kidding. So great stories, with, <laughs> great stories with plenty of research to make them accurate and in depth. And Chris breaking Jake's marbles never gets old. Keep it up, and thanks for the <laughs> shout out on the road trip tool subject. Keep it up. So that's uh, mid year nine eleven. So you contact us in the next week. As, as I Echoes. bet
1: he drives a mid year nine eleven.
0: It's probably a seventy seven nine eleven s. That's my guess. That's
1: mm, mm, I'm going to say seventy five
0: okay you're you're probably wrong
1: oh you do know the guy no
0: i don't okay <laughs> on that note guys you can go and uh from here on out you can put your reviews in we'll do another drawing next month yep um so stay tuned for next or the end of the week friday we're gonna have bob garrettson on the podcast it's a great interview with a legend i think you guys will really enjoy it uh that's it that we have for uh, monday's episode anything else from you jake no on that note take care take care guys